2: Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB, Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi, Mississippi School, School of, Law. of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Good morning, Professor Gershon.
1: Good morning, Liz. I hope your week is off to a good start. And uh, and today we're excited to welcome back the Chief Public Defender for the State of Mississippi, Andre DeGree. Andre has been uh, a frequent guest, and we appreciate him taking time with us uh, each time because we we really do learn a lot about his office and all the good work he's doing. So, Andre, good morning, and would you please tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how you became interested in being a public defender?
0: Sure. uh, Good morning to both of you. Um, uh, I've I've been in Mississippi now for... uh, uh, About 35 years. I came here to go to Mississippi College Law School. And at the law school, I got introduced to an organization called the Capital Defense Resource Center that was based there. We got an opportunity to intern and then uh, got employment there. And and when I graduated, became a staff attorney. And what we did was represented people on death row. and, and so that was, that was my introduction to public defense. And now for the last uh, 30 plus years, it's all I've done um, from at every level, the county level, of course the death penalty cases, and now as the state defender. It's, I mean, it's so,
1: it's so important
0: too, because
1: um, it, it is a constitutional right uh, that people have to, to have defense in a criminal case. Um, and uh, so, how would you remind us how indigent defense
0: is handled in Mississippi? Yes, I, I try to tell people all the time: we don't have an indigent defense system; we have indigent defense systems. Um, so, it's it. Our primary funding for indigent defense is at the county level. So the the state public defender, which which sounds like a big deal. I have a small capital defense division. I have we handle most of the appeals. I have an appellate division that handles felony appeals to the Supreme Court, does a little bit of youth court work. Um, but the the and we do training for public defenders at felony level, misdemeanor level all the way through um, but but the majority of the of the programs are organized on the local level some some a few places. They appoint lawyers on a case-by-case basis, but the vast majority of the state are part-time lawyers. Uh, They they're really contractors, doing uh, that running private practice on the side, um, doing public defense. Well, let me
1: let's let's uh, compare that to what happens on the prosecution side. I mean, I think you've spoken with us before about. There's kind of a disparity, not kind of, there is a disparity between prosecution and and defense. Is that still an
0: issue? Yes, it's actually, you know, they're basically, there are three functions in the criminal legal system. There's the judicial function, the prosecution function, and the defense function. And, uh, you know, I, I focus mostly on the, almost exclusively on the felony level, so people who could potentially go to prison. Um, and, and on the felony level, the prosecution and the, and the courts are organized as districts or circuits that the, um, the funding is primarily from the state. So they're, they're all state employees and and the legislature sets their, their appropriation. And on the defense side, they're all, they're either county contractors or a few county full-time employees, so, and that's where the root of the disparity is, that, that the counties are having to fund 100 percent of a federal and state constitutional right. And that, and that, again, it is a constitutional right. I mean, the U.S. Supreme Court
1: said, you know, uh, that it's a constitutional right if you're in a criminal matter uh, to, to have a court-appointed lawyer, and that really was, I think, the genesis of a lot of the public defender systems, but uh, so... Um, well, so let's talk a little bit about um, then what the 2022 legislature did. And this is what we're going to spend most of the, the uh, time talking about today. Uh, so there was an allocation in 2022 of COVID relief funds to uh, the Office of the State Public Defender, we'll call it OSPD, uh, from now on, although that may take as much time as the Office of State Public Defender, to augment criminal defense services to the 7th uh, circuit uh, court district. So that's that's in Hines County
0: and other counties. What what counties are preserved by that that district? Yeah, the the 7th circuit court district is only Hines County. We have uh, coming in January we will have DeSoto County will be a circuit on its own. So it's really not a circuit, but that there there'll be the 23rd. Jones County is a single county circuit in Hines County. Um, so the the and the real focus of, of or what was behind this was uh, a, to clear a backlog of cases really created by the city of Jackson. So that but municipal cases go when they get indicted, they go into our circuit court. And and uh, so there was the, the legislature recognized that um, and, and it's it. I think everyone knows there was a a significant increase in homicides in the beginning in 2020 and that's nationwide and and we really still don't know exactly why there's a lot of theories but it coincided with covid and so it just sort of it, it was it was the perfect storm in an already weakened system you you had a medical examiner's office that has to be involved in every homicide Then you have a a doubling of the numbers of homicides coming out of the the county that has the largest or the circuit that has the most homicides. And then all of the other things the medical examiner has to do during a pandemic with autopsies uh, unrelated and and particularly so many deaths in nursing homes. So things just uh, even though the courts kept operating, things really got bogged down and and you in when when you get a log jam in a system, it backs all the way up. So they recognized that that there was something that needed to be done, and they and they took they took some long term steps in other areas with policing and, and the the medical examiner's office. But this was a a one time allocation for funds for my office to to help with public defense. Um, which you know is about eighty percent of the cases that come through, probably eighty-five in Hines County. That's the estimate, or or indigent defendants. So they have to have counsel assigned or appointed to them. But and, and then there was also funding for the prosecution and to the Supreme Court to create special judges.
2: Well, I have, I a, have question. a question. With with. The money, the money that you've, that gotten, you've gotten from, from COVID, covid relief that that came, from, came federal from federal funds, funds. Is, is there, there other, other federal, federal money, money that's, that's available, available for, for
0: defense? defense we um we haven't seen any here in mississippi there there's very you know that when we talk about the the criminal justice system if you, you have a federal system and a state system. And so so there is all of the federal money in the smaller system in the federal courts. Um, but there's there's never been the the way they provide uh the Department of Justice provides grant funds. It all flows through the Department of Public Safety. And then that that's our in Mississippi, that's who gets the funds. And then they decide where it goes from there. So there have been a lot of justice funds for mostly law enforcement, but some some prosecution in courts. We have not had um, we have not gotten any funding for any defense projects from the federal government.
1: And and this seven hundred twenty two thousand dollars for covert relief that's that's kind of unusual for you to even get this kind of funding from the state because. Not uh, truly. Probably
0: the federal government originally, but now. sure. Yes, it is. It's a, the the legislature made the appropriation, um, and so it is. Uh, I think you know, historic. It's another step, and you know, we we started funding uh, death penalty cases twenty years ago, and we have not gone beyond that. So this was when they recognized, we're going to fund prosecutors, we're going to fund courts, and a lot of credit has to go to the district attorney in Hines County, Jody Owens, who who said, it, it's not going to work if we don't have defense lawyers too, and the chief justice who really got behind that idea. And um, and so that's how we ended up uh, with a seat at the table too. Well, and it- that's great,
1: and you know, because I think really a lot of times when people think of crime, they think on the prosecution side, and they don't really think about what about then the fact that uh, when we uh, prosecute somebody, they have to have a fair trial, and we have to have somebody on the defense side who can represent them.
2: If you have any questions that you would like to ask, we're talking about indigent defense, um, capital defense, uh, I'm interested to hear how it's funded and how it works across the state. You can send your email questions to us. It's legalterms at mpbonline dot org. We're discussing public defenders now. Where can you find information about the? Office of State Public Defender, OSPD. I'm going to tell you next. This is In Legal Terms. Not everybody has a chance to listen to our whole show live. So if you've missed any of our program, you can listen on our website. Inlegalterms.mpbonline.org Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. The Office of State Public Defender has a very easy-to-remember website, ospd.ms.gov. We're talking today with the State Public Defender about defense, Attorney Andre Degree.
1: And it's great to have Andre here again. Um, you know, we, we really appreciate, you know, uh, him uh, talking about this. And, you know, it, and it's exciting news uh, that you got this allocation from the legislature um, and you know $722,000 is a start right I mean uh, now what's the name of the unit um, that you've created with that
0: allocation so be, because the the courts are called special courts and that's just anytime they appoint a judge it's it's called a special judge so we're we're calling it the special defender unit um, and and we have set it up as a as a freestanding public defender office under the, under my direction. And,
1: and so how, how would you, how are you going to use the funds in that uh, for that special defender unit? Yeah.
0: So a little bit about, I mean, we, when, when we found out, um, we were getting the money um, we did not know. We didn't get a whole lot of guidance from the legislature exactly on what they wanted to do. They just wanted us to, join in this program, and and make it work. That was essentially the, the directive we got, clear the backlog. So we started with meetings with the local public defender. Hines County has a full-time public defender office, and and what we, um, I think they have 12 lawyers working in the office, uh, which is a similar number to the district attorney's office. So we, after meetings with them and meetings with the DA and the court uh, we came up with this um, this model where we knew that the cases that we were going to be handling were going to be serious felonies primarily a, a large chunk of them homicides so we had to get experienced lawyers couldn't hire a bunch of As much as I would like to hire a bunch of kids right out of uh, the University of Mississippi School of Law, we needed experienced lawyers. And and because of the one year limit, you know, when in our death penalty office, I hire people full time, no outside practice. We had to balance that. So what we did, we knew we had money for three full time lawyers. Um, So we've gone with three full time equivalent. We've got four lawyers dedicating 75% of their, their time to this project. Um, several of them are also part-time public defenders in Rankin County. So they're running back and forth across the river to cover cases and cover for each other. And, uh, and we have a full-time legal assistant in the office. And then uh, one of the things we wanted to do was introduce social workers to defense Um uh, and we've that's sort of been our hardest struggle we've got some some so you can't hire somebody and we don't really have people with experience because it's not something we've been doing in mississippi so we we've got some people that i've worked with over the years investigator and social worker that we're contracting with and, and we're using them on a as needed basis so that's sort of the the, it's not an ideal situation. I, I would love to have three full-time lawyers, a full-time social worker, full-time investigator, but but we're going we're going to make it work. Yeah, I think
1: people don't realize that seven hundred twenty-two thousand sounds like a lot of money, but when you've got to put a program together, that can be a challenge. And this is one time, right? It's a one-time allocation.
0: You know, there, there is we know under the um, American Rescue Plan Act, ARPA that uh, it can be renewed. Uh, and so I think that the uh, meetings with the Chief Justice and, and the District Attorney, we're certainly going to be asking the legislature to, to at least continue it but uh, for another year. But, but I hope that we're just going to transition into a, a commitment of state general fund dollars um, to indigent defense.
2: Well, we've mentioned this on the show before, and when uh, Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman was on the show, he said if five people call a legislative representative, they listen. So if, you know, everybody listened, if you would contact your senator or legislator for the Mississippi Congress and mention you think it's it's fair and it's right to fully fund the, or to begin to fund uh, public defenders, that could be a start. That could be a way for it to begin.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, and, you know, it's, um, but, uh, and I know that there were legislators involved in this this process. And I think uh, 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 Senator Boyd was uh, involved and uh, others that, that had to be behind it. So there are already some people who saw this as a good, good idea, but I mean creating um this unit, Andre, I, I you had to have a model that you, you followed. I know you were with the Office of Capital Defense and things like that. So I mean, did you use a model
0: as created? You know, we did. We so in our meetings, because we didn't know when we walked into the county public defender's office, we didn't know if if the the judges were gonna simply send cases to the to the chief to be assigned a special Special courts and whether we would need to cover those cases or how exactly the county, because that was one of one of the things that I think I was the only one not surprised by is that all of the people have lawyers. They're just they're just under resourced and overstretched. The lawyers are on all these cases. And and so working that out we what we used sort of um what developed was this idea that we've already been doing in the death penalty cases all over the state so uh capital defense which started as as you mentioned uh as a freestanding office that was actually the first office state office i managed uh beginning in, in 01 it's now a division of the state defender but uh but capital defense doesn't take over cases from local attorneys. We come in and provide a second attorney and, and we bring resources like investigators and social workers um and work together with that local attorney. And so that, that sort of was the model here. What what we have done is the um the public defenders looked at the public the county office, uh the locals looked at their caseload and where they could use the most help and which cases were likely to be moving through this backlog uh, court. Um, and so we've come in to work with them on those cases. And, you know, and just yesterday I was, I was over taking notes for a team that was uh, getting ready to try a case. Um, and one of our lawyers, and actually there's two trials going on right now in Hines County, where one of our lawyers and one of the public defender lawyers are doing the case together, um, it, it really it was designed to free up the second lawyer in that court to to be at the jail visiting clients or out investigating. And what uh, this week, because the two lawyers that uh, that normally were partners had two trials set on the same day, and so our two special defenders joining them allowed really just for the coverage of two trials um and and so that's uh, that's how it it sort of developed in uh over really a short period of time we 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 got the money the first week of april and we had really 3 months to try to put it together not just as our program which would have been you know if you're just trying to put your program together it's it's a little bit easier than trying to put it together and fit it in with two other functions.
1: You know, Andre we we talked um at a previous show you not that you were on but we talked about indictments and grand juries. And that's kind of a chance for the prosecutor to have a practice run in a way to make sure that there you know there's some legs to this case. Do, do public defenders get any anything kind of practice run like that?
0: Well, the uh they don't Um, And in so in so many places, this is one of the biggest problems with our indigent defense systems in Mississippi is that so often, you know, you're you're, you've got a probable cause hearing about two weeks out from an initial appearance. So within two weeks of arrest in in too many places that uh, that's the last time the person's going to see a lawyer until that indictment. Um and so there's nobody working on the case during what uh what your colleague Professor Cliff Johnson likes to call the dead zone um and and it really is that that people are from from the being bound over the end of the preliminary hearing judge determines there's probable cause that's you know the lowest standard that a crime occurred and you did it then you don't see a lawyer again until after indictment and uh that that's one of the problems we identified you know and maybe it was a little bit of a surprise to me the extent of the problem here in Heinz county
1: yeah so if you know, it goes back to i mean a a fair trial um and the right to representation and the disparity of of how that system works and i think you know uh, critics of of, of this new office would say, well, why are we putting money into into defense? I mean, if these people are indicted and, and there's probable cause, they probably did it. Why, why do we need to put so much money into their their defense side? So I'll ask you that
0: question. I'll ask you to respond to that. Um, well, you know the the I think when when somebody sees it. Affecting someone they know or someone they care about, um, and you know, I, I think when when the government serves a subpoena on Mar Lago, people people wake up and say, "Wait, you know, they can just go to a judge in secret without without talking to anybody on the defense side and or to the person and just show up and go through your stuff." Um, you know, then they start thinking about, well, you know if it happened to me i'd i'd be lawyering up too um so it, it it is i think most people when they step back and think about can think about the system objectively they recognize i mean these are our founding fathers 230 and 30 years ago um said you know you have got a right to counsel uh nobody should face the government alone and it, it is, it's, an, it's such an important right. And, and you and I were talking during the break
1: about a, a uh, not a public defender, but a, uh, a private defense lawyer that I, that I got to know well when I lived in South Carolina who just said, and he would def- defend what people would call the worst of the worst, right? You know, people who like were high profile crimes and uh, major uh, financial crimes and things like that. And people say, how can you defend them? And his, his response was, my job is to make the prosecutor play by the rules. And, and I think I think people forget that that we have a system, and we want the government to play by the rules because that is how we get a, a fair result. But to do that, your office has to be, and, and the offices around the counties around the state have to have, have resources at least somewhat equivalent, you would think, to those we're, we're, we're doing on the prosecution side.
0: Are we ever will we ever get there? You think? <laughs> I, I I may not get there with them, but we're gonna get there. We're we're moving in that direction and, and well, that's good. this
2: is a fascinating topic. We'd love for you to email us your questions. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline dot org. We're talking with the state defender on a degree about public defense. If you are happening to look for a directory of public defenders, where could you find one? I'll share that next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We do hope you'll subscribe to our podcast, or you can find MPB Think Radio recordings on the website mpbonline.org slash radio. One place to find a directory of public defenders is the Office of State Public Defenders, OSP pd.ms.gov and click on find a public defender there you'll see felony level certified parent certified youth and certified death penalty defenders this morning we're talking about the office of state defender with our guest andre degree the state defender
1: and And uh you know andre, uh, you mentioned in uh, the previous sec- section social workers and and you want to make sure you have social workers involved uh, in this new uh unit um and so
0: why is the employment of social workers so important to endgent defense well the um well, i'll tell you it's not my idea. This is something that it across the country, most uh, established systems are are now employing social workers as part of the defense team and uh and we have we have been able to start introducing it in our parent defense or in the child welfare system which is not a, it's not a it's not a constitutional right but it's a statutory right and we're uh we're actually expanding that um more rapidly because the legislature recognizes we've we've really got to work on the foster care system but um So what what would a social worker do on a public defender team? Um, You know, we have, if you've got to screen a client for possible uh, diversion to an intervention court, whether it's uh, a drug court, which we see, uh, I think everyone's familiar with, but also we have mental health courts. And and so um, identifying those people early in the process, that's what social workers are trained to do. And then so often, most of our clients aren't going to go to prison. They're going to have, you know, when we get them out of jail, they need to have, uh, you know, they, they got into trouble probably because they had other problems. Uh, inability to keep a job, often it's a drug problem. You know, 75, 80% of the people that come through that, that or end up convicted in the criminal legal system had uh were involved with drugs. They were either doing drugs or, or the the crime was motivated so they could do drugs. So, you know, those are the kinds of things that then the social workers on the team aren't providing clinical support. They're finding those places. And that's, that's what social workers do. Um, that lawyers, we try to do it when we don't have a social worker. We, we don't, um, we don't do it as well because that's not, that's not what we're trained to do. So when you can uh, in, in, you know, you, you see just so much um, we, what we what we see in the Hines County Jail today, where um, close to a, a quarter of the people, maybe over a quarter of the people in the jail have serious mental illness, not just a diagnosis, but this is a serious mental illness that requires treatment. And and social workers are just really um, particularly for those people who are getting out uh, to be able to have resources so they don't come back. And that's that's someone everyone in the system from the beat cop through the courts is, is interested in how do we get someone out of jail and they're not going to come back. And social workers are just uh, integral to being able to do that. So so what specific things might a social worker do in
1: terms of reentry? What, what type of things could they do that a lawyer could not do?
0: You know, finding, uh, you know, one of the biggest obstacles, both, you know, from whether you're coming out of prison for years or even out of the jail for, for six or eight months or what we see in Hines County, sometimes two years, um, that is housing where you, you know, and even if you're going to go back to your family, there, there's, you, you need an, someone to help you with that integration, uh, go and going through and finding the, the, we've got a lot of resources. Um, You know, I think anybody working in the social service field will tell you Mississippi doesn't have enough resources. But the bigger problem I see is that we don't know where the resources are. And so getting, finding somebody stable housing, um, if they do, uh, if they need to get to the community mental health center, that they can make those connections for them. Um, and even to um, helping them fill out a job application um, that that all all of those things that are so important to to reentry or to to not coming back into the, the criminal legal system, you know, having a place to live, being able to keep your lights on, um, getting a job and working. And that's also
1: important. And, and I know I, I think it's uh, really a great thing that the special defender unit um, has thought about that, that is, is hiring social workers. But are, are would, would in a typical county public defender's office, would there be social workers involved
0: there? Well, we have a, a, a pilot project proposal because what, what we have in Mississippi, and the, one of the biggest challenges is we're such a rural state. And we have so many counties, you know, 82 counties. We, we've we got more counties than Arkansas or Louisiana or Alabama. And, and, you know, we're similar in size to Arkansas, but we're much smaller than those other states. Um, and so that just puts a greater strain on the county trying to to put together a, a program that can that can represent someone fully. Uh so so we've got a proposal that we're sending to the legislature and and we've discussed it with them last year to allow us to to set up pilot projects. And in those pilot projects it would allow counties to group together. That's actually been the law since nineteen seventy-six, but there's not been uh an a, there's not been anyone who has helped develop a plan so that these rural counties could grouped together. uh, We think probably three, maybe four counties that would form a public defender office that would have lawyers, social worker, investigator, legal assistant, all on, just like our special defender unit, all be full-time. And some of the funding, and we think probably 50% of the funding needs to come from the state so that uh, they can transition from the the almost, the exclusively part time contractors to a mix of part time and a full time office.
1: That would that would be a good move. It seems like and and uh, and actually would help them not have to each come up with their own resources separately. Um, but but uh, you know you mentioned also investigators are involved and uh, you've hired some investigators to to help with the
0: special defender unit.
1: How do how do investigators uh, come into play?
0: you know there there's really uh again we've got folks who are who are specially trained to find people they know how to find people uh, that's not something uh that lawyers have an expertise in um you know we had this weekend as we prepared for for one of these trials we had a witness that needed to be located um that um you know, we needed somebody who knew Jackson, who could track that witness down. And our client needed, we needed to get him and make, because he's out on bail, make sure he's prepared for court Monday morning. Um, So that's, that's like going out and finding these witnesses who maybe didn't want to cooperate with the police at first, or maybe they talked to the police, but you know, what we see often, the police have their method. They they get the information they're looking for. They don't get the whole story. And that's really up to the defense to develop that whole story. Um, but you don't want to be developing that whole story on the witness stand. And and it really helps the prosecution if we go out and find these other witnesses or talk to the witness Um that can then present that to them. And, and sometimes if if you can do that before the indictment, that a more appropriate disposition can be agreed to with the prosecution, even before grand jury. Um, There's another part of it that, that people don't realize until they get themselves in trouble. A lawyer can't be a witness in their own case. And so if the lawyer does the investigation themselves, there is a very high risk of something developing in trial that you either have to present evidence that you found or it's inevitable that uh, that the investigator is going to to end up testifying and if that investigator is the lawyer then the rules of professional responsibility prevent that so uh, it's just really and and I'll tell you, just having somebody on the team who's not a lawyer um, who, you know, we talked about how in the break, how how important lawyers were and everyone should be a lawyer. Um, But uh, everyone but Liz agreed with that. But if, you know, it's all it's equally important to have that voice of somebody who who can just say, I don't know how, you know, We're not going to have lawyers on the jury making this decision. We need somebody who who doesn't think like a lawyer hearing and presenting the evidence to us as lawyers.
2: That's why you need a a well-diverse group of individuals to help make decisions so they can see points of view from all over. We have a little bit of time left to take your questions. We can take your questions on our email address. Legal Terms at mpbonline.org. What an informative show we've had so far learning about what defenders do. And if you would like to, to see what defenders do, maybe in the wild or out and about, I've got a way for you to keep up with what's going on with their agency. Thank you for being a part of in legal terms. If you've missed any of our program, don't forget to listen to the whole show on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app as are all our local shows. Our host is Professor Richard Gershen from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. At 11 a.m. Central following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedies relatively speaking with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. So just like many others, the Mississippi Office of State Public Defender has a Facebook page. You can see some of the defenders giving talks or read articles that they've put links in on what they think is important to know. We're talking with State Defender Andre DeGray. Degree, but we do have a call. Let's go to Bell in Yazoo City. Bell, thanks for calling into In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question?
3: I, I have a comment about social work. Um, first of all, they don't get paid enough. And um, <clears throat> I, I, I'm dealing right now with a problem that is a medical social work problem. I've worked in that field, even though I did not have an MSW years ago and uh it, it is it the the I took some courses over there at USM in the school and uh it's a very intense major and it's a very it's very intense work where they are just dealing with these cases all the time a lot of phone calls a whole lot of detailed work and uh I know that years ago they used to have um in Henderson they used to have a a group of volunteer social workers are working under social workers for the courts called CASA. and um I just wanted to make that comment. I'm dealing with a personal uh, what is a it's a medical social work problem right now, but I, I know how to do it on my own, but ultimately, I'm going to have to have a doctor's referral for rehab at surgery in Jackson. And uh, I just want to make that comment. And uh, I really wonder uh, how social workers unwind after work every day because it's such intense work. And that's my comment. Belle, we ap-
2: we appreciate you calling in. Everything Belle said is uh, the you know the truth. Andre. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah and and so she made reference to the Casa uh so I'll say two quick first uh my my oldest daughter is an MSW and and she's running a housing program for Catholic charities in northwest Florida and and she probably does a better job of me uh, of unwinding and and putting that into perspective but that certainly they do they they see people at their lowest and and are fighting a system with them and and for them and so yeah that that it's a very very tough job um and most places low pay but the reference to casa the casas of work in the child welfare system uh it's a a um they assist children going through the child welfare system and so what what we're trying to do where we now are providing lawyers to uh which is really, you know, sort of the model for what we're trying to push in the criminal defense area, the the lawyers and having a social worker. And we've added in the last year, a uh, parent partner, somebody who has been through the child welfare system to help work as an advocate for the parent who's going through the child welfare system today. And they work on the defense team with the social worker, with the defense lawyer, um, and so that that's sort of that's where we're headed, I think. And um, you know, and, and we're getting, we've gotten support from the legislature on that. And of course, we're we're going to be asking for a lot more as as those problems we think are going to grow um, in the in the next year or so.
2: Thank you for your comment, Bell. We appreciate you calling in today.
1: We definitely, uh, yes, we appreciate that comment, kind of bell. We actually did a show on CASA um, a little while ago. Maybe we should do another one at some point. It was a very informative show. And, uh, you know, Andre, um, you are you hiring, by the way? And one question I should ask about your, your new office. Are you hiring that new office?
0: Well, we we are not, and, and most of what we're doing is working with local uh, organizations, our, our our parent defenders are either legal service lawyers or, or local contractors, and we supplement the, the the funding for it to the county. Um, you know, we, we hope, I mean, that's an important part of developing a system so that you, you do have entry-level positions uh, that that you can create in public defender offices for young lawyers coming right out of law school or, or, you know, we have, we work with interns in social work programs and then there's nowhere for them to go. They get trained in the criminal legal system and then go work someplace else because we don't have jobs for them. So, you know, the advantage of, if you have an office, you can have more experienced lawyers and less experienced lawyers working together. But if, if everybody is, is independent, then you really, you become dependent upon those more experienced lawyers. And just it's just a, an opportunity that that's not there for our students. Well, we we understand
1: something that they can certainly aspire to on the way, and we uh, you know encourage
0: you know our law students to go into areas of public yeah. service. I, I'll give a plug to I guess it's a plug to myself. Maybe it's a plug to the Magnolia Defenders. Um, they're a group of of University of Mississippi law students that formed a public defender group these are kids interested in public defense and i met them last week we invited them over to Tupelo for a training and they were there for for most of the of the program and i'm going to be in oxford tomorrow uh meeting with them to talk to them so we we've got the interest kids they they want to stay in mississippi and if we don't create a system then they're going to go to the system in arkansas or the system in louisiana or or tennessee or alabama So it's really, it's a brain drain issue. We've got to keep people who are, who want to serve our our legal system in the state of Mississippi.
1: That's such a good point. And uh, and I appreciate the fact that you're here, you enjoy your time at Oxford and and maybe we can uh, run into each other. But what else would you like us to know about your office, the work of your office? You're doing other things besides a special uh, defender unit.
0: So what else is going on? You know, I made some mention to the uh what what's we're doing in parent defense and, and that's that's important. And we recently submitted testimony to the uh you, you mentioned Senator Boyd earlier, Senator Boyd's committee in the Senate on uh women, children, families. Um, you know, in the wake of Dobbs, the legislature's organizing committees to hear what needs to happen. And and so we've submitted some testimony there. We know that the population of, of people who when you look at who's having abortions, it's it's usually economically driven. It's it's low income people that usually already have children. And that's the exact same demographic as our client base in the parent defense world. So we know that's going to that's going to grow. And if we can start, if we can do things like the model project we have in, in Lee County, where we, we're getting involved in safety plans, not before removal, um, that we can make families stronger and uh, you know it, it's it's going to have it has a ripple effect all the way through all the way up the system and so um, you know it's pretty exciting to be involved in that uh, a few years ago when we got involved and it was first brought to my attention, I thought it was the dumbest idea ever to put this in the public defender's office. You know, we're criminal defense lawyers and, and, uh, my daughter, the social worker said, I've seen families go into court without a lawyer and with a lawyer, and they would be better off with, with a social worker all the time and a lawyer when they go into court. So, uh, and, and that's been my experience and we've, uh, so that, that's an exciting, you know, any time I get a new program and then I get excited about and I forget about all the great work that our appeals office and our death penalty office do because they just do that every day. Um,
2: well, and we appreciate all that everyone in your office does, all that the individuals that work with you do for our whole our whole uh, uh, our state and our counties. Thank you. Andre Degree, thank you so much for being part of In Legal Terms today. That's wrapping us up for In Legal Terms. Our team includes Java Chapman, uh, Jason Klein, and our podcast producer, Jermaine Flood, for professor richard Gershen, who hosts from the university of mississippi school of law i'm liz gill we hope that you'll join us next tuesday at 10 a.m central for in legal terms on mpb think radio
0: this is an mpb think radio podcast to hear previous shows visit mpbonline.org or download the mpb public radio app to listen on your iphone or android phone on demand